Hello and welcome to the Sick Flights Out Racing podcast for our coverage of the Spanish Grand Prix. Okay, so we'll go straight into the news roundup with the first story we'll be looking at is James Allison leaving Lotus. And up second is the news story that Pirelli are considering tyre redesign after their recent failures. And the third story we'll be looking at is will the point style penalty system that's been proposed work in F1? Okay, so first up then it's the news that James Allison has left Lotus after eight years with the team. Yeah, that's right. The rumour has it that he may be on his way back to Ferrari. Yeah, so uh, when was he there last? Uh, yeah, he's done a spell at Ferrari before he was there in 2000. I believe he joined the team just um, around the Michael Schumacher dominance era. So it seems at the moment, although it's not, uh, it's, this isn't verified anywhere, that uh, that's got to be the favourite team he's, he's used to go back to. I understand... Well, other rumours were that uh, Williams and McLaren were interested as well. Um, I definitely don't think he'll be leaving the sport. I think he'll be um, mm. he'll be looking for another team. I don't think it's a retirement or going off to do something else. Definitely not. So do, do, it must, the deal must have been done if for him to resign. I would have thought. I don't think it's like any job is it. So is he, do you think he signed preliminary agreements with a particular team? Um, I, it, it may be. Or it may be just sort of a gentleman's handshake that um, if you ever leave Lotus, there's a there's a place for you back at the team kind of deal. Um, don't don't really know how that would work. I'm just, I'm just wondering where who he'd replace, etc. Because I understand Pat Fry's the you know the technical director there, so I'm wondering whether he'd work as part of the the key, the key lead design team or whether he would be the lead designer. Yeah, um, well, I suppose we can look at Mercedes for this. They they've got maybe a mm. few different people in different positions, and they've shifted them around to to make room. So maybe mm. there might be a um, a place at Ferrari that's maybe not necessarily available at the minute or sharing roles or doing something different and until it actually happens and he does sign there I don't think we really know for definite yeah it certainly seems like it could be a big loss for Lotus although I presume the base of this year's car is is there um and it's shown obviously an improvement from last year and um, stable as well they've not they've not jumped one way or the other they've they've been very mm. consistent I think from year to year which I've, when you look at other teams like McLaren I think that's a very hard thing to maintain going from the end of one season to the beginning of the next and still being as um as consistent as you were. Do you think momentum is the key impact for Lotus? Then do you think it will be a heavy impact sort of, you know, a quarter away into the season for a key designer to leave? Or do you think that it gives them enough time to um, get another designer in to work on, which I think that obviously they have done now, they've announced that, uh, you know, that they can then start working on next season's car and yeah, the upgrades for the rest of this year. Yeah, because next season's car is going to be such a, a different car compared to this season. I don't th- I think if he had to leave it, they, they, their parting company at the best time for both I think so when James Allison goes to wherever he's going to go he can get a good handle on the 2014 car for them and Lotus as well like I say I've got time for a new developer to actually bed in as well before the changes come about. Okay on to the second story which is the Pirelli tyres once again being called into question after a failure for Paul DeResta this time in practice. Yeah, it certainly seems to have come back to the fore from uh, Bahrain as well. Um, and, you know, what's quite noticeable, I think, is uh, from Bahrain when Pirelli was saying that uh, the the tyre issues were caused by debris, um, as was regularly twittered, it seems that uh, now they're starting to recognise um, or, or identify that it's mainly down to some form of construction within the tyre itself. Which I think um, we, um, but we covered in the podcast as well, didn't we, was our suspicions mm. of um, where the problem lie. It, well, it did, yeah, because because what I obviously I don't know anything about the you know tire constitutions etc. But what what didn't seem to make sense was that the tires would, uh, if I just use some specific examples, for example, like Lewis Hamilton, 
um, the tyres seem to come away at the wall, yeah. which which you know doesn't immediately suggest to me that it is caused by debris necessarily. You think it would break up sort of in between the tyre, etc., and that seemed to be the case um, with the rest as well today. So, you know, I think personally, I feel this is a more serious issue the, than is currently being made out in F1, really, because you know if a, an accident occurs. Um, as a result of this delamination, when it's quite warm, um, there, there could be quite severe ramifications. Well, that's it. And we've only got to look back not too many years into the, um, not the distant past, few years into the past of F1, when um, we had the tyre wars between two different manufacturers and um, cars and teams actually um, boycotting races. So mm. we might, if the safety fears get too high, we could even be going back to them days. Yeah, obviously we'd be, we hope not, but I, I, I don't understand what options they could then have. I mean, I, I suppose if they, I don't get the impression at the moment that they've necessarily got a fix on, on what they need to do, which would suggest that they, until otherwise, not, until otherwise decided, they would continue with the current compound rather than revert to last year's compound, which <laughs> seemed a little bit more stable. This, this is what I was thinking. I, I'm not sure it's a compound issue. I think it's maybe something that they've done with the. Um, actually the way the tyres have made up because what Pirelli actually did say um, at the last well, the, for the failures at Bahrain were that the debris in the tyres were causing the tyres to overheat and that was melting the glue of the tyres but again this seems a little bit detached from reality that that's that that's going to happen I don't know how a piece of debris overheats the tyres so maybe they do have to look at the actual construction of the tyres as opposed to just the compounds yeah, it is the rubber uh, reacting in a different way to the glue at a certain temperature yeah. um, or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, either way, I think they really have to do do some sort of call on it. It's not happening to everyone all the time, obviously, because it would be a complete disaster. But, you know, it's getting a bit consistent now when it's getting warm. And, uh, you know, looking at the calendar, uh, Monaco doesn't tend to be particularly hot in recent years. So... We're looking further into calendar now to see if they can resolve the issue between now and then. Um, of course, the other question I was thinking of is if they do change something about the tyres, whether it's the makeup of the rubber itself or how it's put together, does that actually affect it, the the life of the tyres themselves? You know, would that have an impact? Would that start to swing, you know, a, a particular benefit to to another another team going forward? You know, would it, if a longer lasting tyre would that benefit the likes of Mercedes going forward, for example? Yeah, it could do. There's, there's definitely that possibility. But I think the problem they're going to have is they're not going to be able to get anywhere near the amount of data from testing that they need to get a new set of tyres in. So they can't mm. redesign these current ones from the ground up, essentially. I think the only option they've got is to maybe go back to last year's tyres and with the small amount of time they've got, modify those to mm. this year's. I think they, if they can't sort out the problems with these tyres, they need to abandon them completely They and say go back to something they know i don't think they can introduce a brand new set of tires i don't think they've got time for that because if you look at the way pirelli do their testing they do testing throughout the season on different things they're taking different tests different measurements of different things all the time and i just don't think they can actually build up the amount of data to start from scratch again that they need to bring a brand new set of tires so i think if they are going to do it the only option they've got is to revert back to last year's tires can they even can they even yeah, I, I tend to agree. But I mean, could they even make? Can they even afford to make small tweaks to the original tyres? Because could that still change the composition of them um, without without thorough testing? Yeah, it could be. Again, like I say, because the race is now they're all set in motion. You can't stop the season because there's something wrong with the tyres. It's always going to be a case of making the best out of the situation they've got. And we see this actually in the F1 teams as well, don't we? Like McLaren this this week, they bought um, upgrades to Spain to put on and hopefully bring themselves back into play but 
during the practice sessions, it actually looked like some of the upgrades were taking their car backwards. Mm. And yeah. I think you've got that same possibility with the tyres. They they might fix the problem that they don't delaminate, but they might, like I say, just disintegrate within a few laps, or it might have a completely different effect to the one. They might solve the one they're looking at, and it just causes three or four yeah, other detrimental yeah. effects. Yeah. Yeah, well, we certainly hope that uh, the issues resolve more from safety reasons more than anything, and uh, we'll certainly be interested to understand. Um, and and de- dependent on what Pirelli actually inform us or the rest of the media on exactly what they've actually changed to see what potential impacts that could have to the, to the races. And I think the, the problem we've got as well, got saying about safety, is that the tyres we've seen delaminating so far, there's been a little bit of um, a little bit of warning that they're going. We've seen the tyres coming away. They've they failed, but not in a dramatic way. But who's to say that? if they get too hot some there's something there if they don't know how they're working and they don't know what's causing this issue that one of those tires isn't literally just going to blow out explode and throw a car off at 180 miles an hour that's what would be my concern with driving a car with under the current conditions okay so third up then is the news that there's a proposal of a points-based penalty system in f1 um and we're just wondering whether this is something that could realistically work really um my thoughts are is that you know i suppose it does uh, help to mitigate the consistent um, consistent deviations or actions that drivers might might have over the course of a few races, um, that, and that could potentially build up into a, a larger, uh, more significant ban. But I wonder about how how you could essentially prove one way or another if a particular driver is at fault in any given circumstance. Um, I think you'd you'd have to go with the penalties that are dished out on the day. It's pretty much the same as football with the yellow card. You can go back and review the evidence after, but pretty mm. much if you've got a yellow card, you, you've got a yellow card. So that's that's where they're going to do it. If they get a penalty on the day, you've got that penalty. And like, so it's basically just because at the minute, essentially, once your penalties go down, once you've served your penalty, that, that has no bearing on the next races. It's thrown out of the book. It's completely disregarded. You've served, You've done... You've done the crime, you've served your punishment for it and, it, and it's gone. But under this system, what I can see it actually doing is actually bringing in more so of past history in, into the um, uh, any future indiscretions that you have on the track. Yeah, I, I suppose my biggest concern with the, the fact that it's the points piece is, well, uh, well the lack of points-based penalty system, I should say now, is that um, I, I do worry about, the decisions being made in the heat of a race, and yes, I understand there's a stewards' inquiry, etc. But um, I think it's very important that well, once the race is done, okay, I understand it's done, but I still feel there are things that can be done to either punish or uh, relinquish uh, a particular driver after all the evidence has been compiled and you factored in, as you say, some historical um, evidence as well. I just feel sometimes the the decisions that the stewards make at the time obviously have a bearing on the entire season, but then no one seems to really seem to want to or feel it's appropriate to go back and say, well, actually, no, that shouldn't be the case. I mean, that, I, that, that could still be done under the system, because I think if someone's proved um, after the race to have maybe served a drive-through penalty that they weren't supposed to have, they can they can then um, revert it back to the current system, essentially, and just scrap that from the record, so... If if it's reviewed and say maybe someone has three drive-through penalties and that equals a race ban, that if that was the case, that'd be really harsh. But uh, something along those lines. But if one of those was been um, when they look back on the evidence was deemed not to have been what they first thought it was, then possibly it would um, they would be able to just remove that one and say, okay, that one doesn't count. You've only got two drive-throughs effectively. 
So what would they would they have a grading system based on um, the kind of altercation that could happen, for example, with a driver? I don't know if you collide with another another car because I'm I'm just I suppose the downside to it is that there are so many things that, and potential variables that could happen um, in a, in a race. I suppose I like, used the comparison to football before, where you know I know they're you know, there can be variable things there, but a foul is, is a foul or it's not a foul, for example. And the, I suppose because F1 is such a technical thing, there are so many variables to consider about whether they could effectively capture all those and assign appropriate penalty points for them. I mean, um, the only way they, because they obviously got a penalty system at the minute, the only thing I can think of they go with is rather than trying to put um, uh, points to the crime, if you like, they put mm. points to the punishment. So it may be a drive through penalty for whatever it is. Is worth three points, possibly something like that. True, and, but, a, and a stop and go is worth five, something like that. It's depending on the severity of the penalty dished out, you get points. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, points um, are, are, tallied, oh, okay. are tallied up with with the um, say with the punishment rather than the crime. Yeah, so it supports it supports the the punishment you're already receiving ultimately to um, go towards a, a larger punishment yeah, correct, because yeah, basically yeah. you're basically you're just a bit of a scallywag or whatever yeah. and and you need you need another lesson as well on top of it yeah i think i think i think i can see that because there is a there is a risk with you know a qualitative based you know, punishments and, and errors um against you know just putting points against it which which could be quite worrying so if that's the direction they go down it sounds like it could um remove some of the um, race on race issues that we see sometimes, but I think they would have to be very careful. I would say perhaps a phase introduction would be best to see how it goes and see if it ultimately works. Yeah, definitely. I think the um, like, like we're saying, the way that they go about it, the it wouldn't need to be too drastically different to the system at the minute, because I I think personally they do take it previous history a little bit into consideration because I don't think um, Roman Grosjean would have got the um, uh, penalty he got away for Spa, where he was banned mm. for a race had he not had his previous ones. But I think with, if they do put the point system in place, it'll be that will be down in black and white rather, rather than in the um, in the minds of the stewards. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it, it just keeps it to the fore, doesn't it, more than anything. And they perhaps can see uh, historical records of of the drivers to say, well, okay, will you receive you know punishment for this for this? And it's quite consistent. I think it makes it more um, black and white as well. It's not left down yeah. to someone's judgment because it's like when when they banned Grosjean, did they just say, okay, that was a really bad incident, we're going to ban him for that, or it's like, okay, this is enough is enough. He's had three warnings yeah. and we're going to give him that now. If, whereas if it's set in stone, no one has to make a judgment call on it. It's just when you get to a certain point, yeah, you, you get it as part of the rules, and there's nothing to um, there's no argument to be had in that. Mm. Once you get there, that's it. It's like again in football, you get two yellow cards. You can't say, well, I didn't really deserve that yellow card, so I don't get a red one. You get two yellow cards, you're going off the pitch, and that's mm. that's just the way it is. There's no if again, you could have it really serious, you can get a straight red card. You could st- they could still do that. It doesn't have to be built up, but it just gives it more. Um, I, I would say more of a structure to it. Well, I think it also gives opportunity though for saying, okay, well, if you get a particular uh, occurrence of a particular punishment, I don't know, so like um, stop go penalties. If you get a certain amount of stop go penalties, you 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 get X, you get this kind of of punishment. If you collide with another car and it's your fault uh, under these circumstances more than twice, or you know, then that's that's a certain amount of points, and you hit those amount of points, it's then 
you then get this type of punishment, perhaps. I don't know. Perhaps I'm overcomplicating it, but that's I, I, yeah, I, I, I reckon they could look at it. But I, I don't think they would opt to, to do it because that would just be so much more extra work involved mm. in working out what people were were doing um, actually during the race. They wouldn't be able to hand out the penalties because I think these just have to go. But what the way they're looking at it, I think, is that they're just they want to tie it to the penalties. They'll make all the same decisions they make now, mm. and the point system will be basically moved on to the next race they won't be thinking about the points while the current race is going on right so they'll just hand out the penalties as they would whether it be drive throughs stop and go penalties whichever they decide and then uh, later on they'll all be added up in the background as opposed to they won't work out the points as the race is going on i don't think well we certainly uh, we'll certainly see what the decision is do they have an indication of when they might make that or is that this something towards you know into next season that they might look into I, from what I've read, it's kind of an ongoing thing. There's different ideas being put up and uh, sort of moved around and discussed and different things um, being put on the table all the time for maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. But the one thing I've not seen or read anywhere is, is any kind of date as to when they'd be looking at doing it. OK, and on to our prediction section now. I'll start by asking Carl, um, who do you think is going to be on poll? I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. I think um, I've, I'm going to put my faith in Adrian Newey helping to bring the um, the raft of upgrades that are going to help them keep up with um, the Ferraris and the Lotuses um, in terms of race pace as well, um, but also for the qualifying piece as well and to also try and match the Mercedes, I should probably say as well. Um, I think that the I think I think what they're going to do is I think they're going to keep their cars very close to their chest um, in the first couple of uh, qualifying sessions I normally do um, and I think they're going to come out with quite a quite a fast lap there's quite a lot of fast cornering um, and a couple of slow corners in the uh, in the track as well so I think that helps the Red Bull certainly benefits better than uh, than other races such as China uh, with lot lot larger straights so yeah I think uh, I think he'll just about edge the uh, the qualifying pole. Okay, and who have you got for your winner? Okay, I have Alonso for the race win um, again, but um, DRS problems uh, pending. I think uh, I'm banking on that he's going to have the tyres um, ahead of the Red Bull still. So um, similar reasons of why I think uh, Alonso is going to do the race like a, like Vettel is going to do pole in the sense that I think they're the two top cars with Lotus very close behind um, and Mercedes. But I just think he's uh, he's got the crowd behind him. Um, hopefully he'll get a good start off the grid. Um, and I think that's what we'll all, all see him through at the end. OK, so it's now my turn to ask you, Tony, who you think's going to be on pole? Um, I'm going to go for Sebastian Vettel, I think, for pole on this one. And the reason that I'm going to pick him is, again, pretty much similar reasons to what you said. There's no long straights here where they're going to be out-dragged or they're going to be able to... Um, uh, come a cropper because of their extra downforce that they carry so uh, a lot of twisty corners a couple of sloping corners so yeah I think the extra downforce that they bring is going to um, going to put that car ahead of the others who do you think is going to win the race um, I am going to have to say Vettel again I think um, and pretty much for the similar reasons I can see this being one of those races where he just edges out in front gets out of DRS range just keeps it there and um, no one can challenge him from there I don't think so you're going for um, Vettel's, as you say, going to going to stretch too far ahead too quick. I'm um, banking on Alonso having a good enough start to stay with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I think Alonso's definitely going to be up there. I'll be very surprised if Alonso's off the um, uh, first two rows of, of the grid. So um, he, he might jump him at the start and he might get him. But I think Vettel's probably just going to edge it and just going to keep it, I think. 
Okay, so into the qualifying roundup section now. Um, because it was a pretty quiet uh, qualifying, we're just going to give a quick summary of each uh, qualification session. So into Q1, uh, we had Lotus setting the early place with Raikkonen and Grosjean. We then had uh, Alonso's Ferrari, uh, then taking the top spot. Uh, for then Hamilton coming out of nowhere, effectively, quite surprisingly, um, easily topping the Q1 time charts. So effectively, the uh, disqualifications from that round were position 17 was Vittari Bottas, uh, P18 Pastor Maldonado, P19 Guido van der Gaard, 20th Jules Bianchi, 21st Max Chilton, and at 22 Charles Peake. And then into Q2, um, the only real action we had there was um, Hamilton setting a fastest lap of six tenths up on the nearest car behind him. Um, we also had a few penalties to take into consideration as well. We had Massa and Gutierrez both penalised three places on the grid um, for impeding other cars. So the people that were out in Q2 were Daniel Ricciardo in 11th, Jean-Eric Verne in 12th, Adrian Sutil in 13th, Jensen Button in 14th, Nico Hulkenberg in 15th, and Gutierrez in 16th. And one noticeable thing actually from that as well is Perez making it into the top 10 while Button is there in 14th. Okay, so finally then, Q3. Uh, Effectively, the expectation I think was that Vettel and Alonso would top the qualifying charts with uh, Raikkonen closer behind, but it turned out that uh, it was a Mercedes front row lockout. With, surprisingly, I feel, Rosberg doing a 127.18 and Hamilton closely behind on a 129.72. Vettel can only manage third, Raikkonen fourth, Alonso and Massa fifth and sixth respectively, Grosjean on seventh, Weber eighth, Perez ninth and Deresta tenth. Yeah, I think I just want to um, speak up a little bit on that one as well. And I think it really was completely out of the blue. I don't think anyone expected um, either of the Mercedes cars to be anywhere near the front there. Yeah, they sort of, for some reason, although it's easy with 2020 hindsight um, to say that, you know, they've had two, you know, excellent qualifying sessions previous and, you know, why wouldn't it happen again? I think the, the, the challenge here is is that the, the, the Mercedes is very quick when the tyres are uh, warm and they've got the grip. I think the big question will be about whether they can actually convert it into race pace tomorrow. Yeah, but I think that's that's what we've seen. This that's the story of their season, really, isn't it? It's um, blisteringly quick in qualifying and then just falling away in the race. So, like I say, tomorrow, well, well qualifying um, is one thing, but the race is something completely different. So that will be the real story of where they're going this weekend. I mean, say, well, potential saving comfort is that they've been concentrating um, a lot in practice on tyre wear uh, monitoring, etc. Now, whether that was a data gathering exercise or that they were you know, trying to resolve the issues or a bit of both, perhaps, we, we don't know. It certainly doesn't seem like they're confident that they've necessarily cracked it, but you could say that they're they're just, you know, sandbagging, as it were, um, until the race. I would personally, because of the two drivers haven't yet won races, I'd perf- you know, like to see uh, one of the two uh, win a race this season and show that the Mercedes can out um, make the tyres last. And we've actually even got a, another front runner uh, potentially for the season it's going to make it more exciting because I'm a bit concerned that you know Ferrari and Red Bull are there and Lotus is just behind and there's no one really actually looking to challenge them in terms of race results going forward I think from um, my point of view as well the way I'm looking at it at the minute I think Mercedes for this race um, are a bit of a wild card as well because we don't know how their tyres really handle in just normal conditions because we've had 
uh, very hot conditions, rain, humid conditions so far. I don't, mm. I can't think of a race where the conditions were just normal, uh, no rain and just a reasonable temperature. So it'd be interesting to see now that all the teams have settled into the season as such, um, coming back to a slightly cooler track than, than we've had before. They they may do better than people expect them to. So again, it's just a, a waiting game to so wait and see how they how they do in the race. So that will take us into the race and the first and probably most noticeable point we'll be looking at is um, the Mercedes and their complete tyre collapse. Yeah, well, uh, even the drivers were even, um, well, they didn't seem too confident at the beginning of the race. They know what happened in the previous one. They'd done a lot of, uh, I think they tried to do as much um, race uh, trim testing in practice to try and understand the tyres. And I do remember one of their engineers saying, "Okay, our degradation looks like roughly the same as the others. Do you kind of get the feeling with this, though, that they're, um, sorry to cut in, but do you kind of get the feeling that they're maybe um, overcompensating in other areas to try and claw back a bit of um, tyre sustainability? Well, I, I don't know because you you then you then have a slower qualifying um, as a result, and they're not they're they're still equal I mean, in qualifying. I mean more that they're trying to save it from somewhere else, or they're trying to change their setup maybe, and it's hurting their tyres in a different way. Maybe they were a bit hard on the tyres all round, so they've moved it to try and save it, and they might have saved a little bit on the front, and now it just destroys the rear tyre, something like that. So maybe is it a, what i'm saying is it a balance problem do you think or is it just inherent that this car eats its back tires no matter what they do to it well i've, I've got a suspicion that it may have something to do with the active suspension i mean no other cars car on the grid aside from the Mercedes seems to have this kind such an acute problem and i think it may it's either as you say it's either something to do with something to, either with the balance or it's it's something to do with this um i don't know if that's the right word for the active suspension but there is a very there's a very unique uh, suspension mechanism that mercedes are carrying and i think that's probably got uh, it could have something to do with the way the tires just react to the car um under different pressures um, I think one, one, no- other, one other, sorry one other theory i've read as well and something that's um come up from sort of time and time again to say and something that it, it may be um around this issue is the fact that they might not use their coander exhaust blowing out the exhaust gases as efficiently as they could and maybe that's actually blowing onto the tires uh, too much and because of obviously the increased temperature of the exhaust gases that's overheating their tires very quickly which would would explain why they get up to temperature very quickly but then subsequently then just eat the tires because they're overheating them basically well if that's the case it sounds like um it's pretty, you know, it's pretty pretty terminal for the car um, unless they can make any major chassis design uh, redesigns, which I don't think they can in the middle of the season, can they? I think they could probably just about get away with it. I think uh, Lotus last year started off with a different exhaust and then abandoned it, went back to what they had. McLaren definitely did, but I know they abandoned it, I think, earlier. So they abandoned it in the testing phase and maybe, I think, got rid of it for the first race. But I think the problem again with this is, like we said earlier, about changing the tyres themselves. Um, if you're making that much of a redesign, you might solve the problem you've got and bring yourself three more problems in other areas. It's no doubt that um, they're still suffering a major issue where um, literally within the first couple of laps, whether they're out in front or they're in the pack, they, they really suffer. And, you know, I think when, in the next race for Monaco, we'll be interested to see about whether they've, they feel they've you know been able to make any more progress because we could see like a Mercedes train pretty much if we're not too careful and it could be a bit farcical. Or, or do you wonder, maybe it's a um, strategic error as well. Maybe they're pushing too hard in qualifying, whereas all the other teams are capable of doing those times, but they know they don't need to because they can overtake Mercedes within two laps anyway. So they can save their tyres a bit more. 
and Mercedes overcompensating in qualifying and taking too much life out of the tyres in a car that already eats his tyres. And then that's why they're falling off so quickly, because they've got less life in them to start with as well. It's hard to say, because, I mean, Red Bull typically like to stay out in front and, you know, um, and then speed away at the beginning. Um, but so, I mean, a lot of teams never want to qualify lower than they necessarily have to, because they do feel it obviously gives them a, a worse chance. Probably save Ferrari, who are quite comfortable. They just, you know, they're, they're the team that starts the best in races by by far. Um I just think sort of looking at Red Bull is a good example, though. I think they tend to look at the long game more in the entire weekend, whereas I think McLaren have been guilty of it in the past. And I'm hoping that Mercedes aren't going down the same route now of just focusing too heavily on qualifying. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, well, we'll have to see. It's it's hard to tell, but I think once we've, um, well, I think once we've seen the next couple of races, we'll see about whether it truly is terminal, because I don't get the impression now that they've got a, they've got a fix or or a or not exact idea on exactly what it is because they'd solve it so it seems it's suggesting that it's something that could be problematic throughout the rest of the season and something they have to prioritize um won't be the case and the next season and i think that something else that's also quite worrying with it as well is if you think about what we said again on previous podcasts as well we've come to the end of the hot stint of the season now We've come mm. back to Europe, the temperatures are dropping. Temperate, yeah. And if anything, they actually look worse in the cooler temperatures than they did in the warmer temperatures, and they were fairly bad on their tyres then. So, But yeah. uh, saying that, Barcelona is a fairly high-wear track, so that it it may be that that it's everybody was hit hard at this track, and on a lower tyre-wear track, they might come off a little bit better. But like I say, it, it doesn't bode well for the fact they've come to the cooler temperatures, and it doesn't seem to be the heat that's um, been the problem for them. Yeah, we we also saw um, once Rosberg was uh, was out, out in front after the start that um, I really got the impression the other drivers weren't actually even pushing; they were just waiting for the you know his tyres to completely fall off, and um, it really was a case of just you know coasting by, and they they did in their droves. Um, and I think the thing was you can tell that as well by the fact that um, uh, when Vettel's out there in front, he he knows exactly how much of a gap to put between himself and the others, and um, Rosberg at no point was ever able to do that. He never even looked like he was going to pull away. They all had him at the sort of there waiting to overtake him just in the DRS window. And as soon as it was the DRS window um, was there and DRX, DRS was active, that was it. They they just sailed by and that was it. He was he was never able to get out of that gap. There wasn't a two second gap that they brought back in. He just he never got away. Whereas mm. by that point in a race, Vettel was normally what three four seconds up the road, isn't he? So. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, afterwards, you know, this it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty well, Alonso with another, another, you know, uh, fantastic start that he normally has, um, and I'm amazed other teams don't concentrate on this. But um, as he got ahead um, and got into got into the top three um, at the start of the race, he was pretty much there and set, really, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it. I don't think he was going to get many people challenging him from there. And and again, taking this back to the tyres, unfortunately. The fact that the Ferrari this season actually does seem to be quite good on its tyres as well. Mm. So there wasn't going to be a case of the teams, like say, waiting for that point where the tyres were going to drop off for him. Pretty much as soon as he was out in front, there was no... T- the only t- Probably only Raikkonen was the only person in with a shout. And I just think um, with the balance of their car between pace and um, the tyres holding on, um, the, the Lotus just doesn't have the speed on the Ferrari. No, but they certainly have the tyre saving, as you say, but not necessarily the outright speed, and that may be at the expense of managing the tyres. Um, you know, you saw Eric Boulier being quite uh, quite resistant to any tyre changes, so they, they may have felt that 
they've got a a sus on exactly why um what causes the tire wear. But I can think... I can understand this point of view because I think it is changing the goalposts a little bit mm. um, midway through the game, if you like, isn't it? So yeah, very much so. But I think going out to Alonso and the, the you know how, how far he went at the end, it certainly seemed quite easy. Um, you know, he, he made four pit stops and still. I feel quite comfortably won the race. Um, I think it shows also that Red Bull struggle in the pack if they don't if they aren't able to shoot out at the beginning. And I, so I, you know, Alonso, so I, I, I think as well, if I'm right in saying he did actually have um, a pit stop in hand um, over the rest of the field, didn't he? At yeah, one he point, did. yeah. Well, he got to the point. I think it was the final pit stop as well, where he, yeah, he was, had a yeah. timing and he knew he, he would come out ahead anyway. Yeah. Uh, on fresher tyres, and so, you know, the tyres kick in within, like, a, a lap or two, don't they? Yeah. Um, and then it's tyres saving throughout the rest of the race, and they, they certainly seem like they've got the better handle on how to manage these tyres going throughout the race. So, yeah, we had um, uh, quite a lot of teams suffering with the tyres again this time. Uh, it's, it might be a little bit unfair, I think, to judge completely the tyre wear of everybody by this track, because we know that Barcelona is a, a high-wear track anyway. There's always been a lot of pit stops here, but... Do you think this is it's now getting to the point where it's starting to spoil the racing where and it's the car that managed its tyres the quickest as opposed to the fastest car that's now winning the races? Yes, I do. And I think evidence has shown that, um, especially when we was on board with uh, Alonso, uh, Massa, um, Vettel, um, and certainly Lewis Hamilton, that you saw that um, the vast majority, they, they, they weren't even pushing. You know, the car wasn't even at top revs. David Coulthard mentioned it. Um, and I think the the biggest issue is I fully understand how we, we probably want to try and avoid like a processional races now where, you know, if, if one team develops the faster car, if it's so significantly faster, then no one else is in control of that for the rest of the season because they'll just stream ahead. Yeah. But I do feel we've discussed this at length in different podcasts where you mentioned a situation, um, I can't remember what podcast it was, where we were, we, you know, the tyres probably should be going more towards... Um, depending how hard you drive them for a certain amount of time in the race, that's the life of the tyres gone. But you can choose how long that lasts. Yeah. Here, it seems time delimited more than anything as to how long these, these how much optimum grip these tyres have got, which is oh. which is crazy, really. And I think as well, sort of on that point as as well, it's, it's hard to put, well, it's, it's hard to really pick up an example or use Mercedes as an example. But when you look at their car, they they weren't pushing in that car at all and it was still eating the tyres so the the tyres are now becoming the dictating factor it's not the cars are pushing hard and they're wearing them out too quickly there's a difference between having a normal race speed that just completely destroys the tyres and pushing hard to destroy the tyres and that's I think the balance has gone well it obviously has gone too much the other way cars are not pushing and the tyres are still disintegrating they should be like they should be the tyres should be going off a lot quicker once the um, the teams start to push, not just a normal race going around, like say where the, the revs are turned down, the cars aren't pushing, but they're still going off at a, an alarmingly quick rate. And this is the problem that we saw from Lewis Hamilton as well. He was saying, I can't physically drive the car any slower. And it is still churning up the rear tyres. and it, They are still going off really quickly. And to me, there's no form of racing in that. That's just a um, exercise in tyre management then. Yeah, it is. And I, I think the... The biggest problem you've you've got there is is that it's a case of literally who can drive the least slowest rather than who can drive the fastest. Yeah. And going back to the ultimate principles of F1, it is about who can drive the fastest. Yes, you know, I completely understand that it is a tricky balance, and but I just think Pirelli have gone too far here, which you know, as it's proved with the recent tyre announcements, 
that um, they are changing. And I, and I honestly don't feel it's under pressure by Red Bull, as other teams suggested, because, you know, by doing this, they, they, they look like it. There must be a serious problem, which they've, they've had to admit to, where it's just not happening the way, the way that they intended. And, you know, I think it's a little bit embarrassing for them, to be honest. I think, you know, I think they need to, you know, take stock, really. And I think, personally, they, they were along the right lines last year. I think they just need to make the tyre, similar to last year, a little bit more consistently durable to a certain point where they then fall off a cliff. Yeah. You know, if you want to make it interesting, alter that throughout the season or something. You know, I don't mind. Or, or perhaps, you know, um, change it on a per-season, per-season basis so the teams have got to work it out for themselves. But as you say, you can't... I don't think you can have tyres wearing out on a time-delimited basis. That's it. You know, as to how often, how long they've been, how much traction they've had on the road rather than think, how hard they've I been think the, I think the problem is that's not an exact science either as well because every track is different. So unless you make a set of tyres for each track, you can't simulate... Um, what the tyres are going to go through at that track. You can have a kind of rough guess, which is obviously why they, mm. they have the different grades of tyres from the soft to the hard, but you can't simulate the wear that's going to go through. So in my mind, what I would really like to see is they build the best possible tyres that last the longest and the drivers that are capable of driving harder can drive 100% flat out. And it's, it is that factor that they're driving 100% flat out that wears those tyres out quicker. Mm. That's that's yeah. some, I know that might sound uh, really simplistic and um, uh, like I'm living in an ideal world for wanting that, but I I don't see what the problem is with trying to achieve that. Just making the best tire they possibly mm. can. But I also think you can be tactical with that as well because um, you'd still get the scenario where dry, uh, race drivers with the fastest cars or you know driving flat out, not even necessarily the fastest cars, or but it's, it's like driver attitude, driving attitude, isn't it? Yeah, trying yeah. to drive flat out in a particular car would get EQ maximum performance, but only for a short period of time. You know, smaller teams, for example, that are in slower car might be able to get away with fewer pit stops by just not driving it as as, yeah, as it. much. And not, not only that, you've got, um, you've got different things to consider. But still well, like, driving as fast as they can. Yeah, and you've got the different sort of things to consider with the way the tyres work as well. Sort of, um, if you heat them up and cool them down, you get the marbles and things like that. So you've got the you've got mm. to think about the life cycle of the tyre as well as just the fact of. Because obviously no one can go 100% flat out all the time because you're, yeah, you're, pro- right, yeah. you're prone to mistakes and you will wear your tyres out very quickly. Mm. So they've got to be a little bit mindful of, oh yeah, if we cool the tyres down and bring them up but up to temperature again, we're going to start, marbles are going to form, they're going to start degrading in that way. And again, mm. you've got the other thing as well, going to hot tracks, you'll get the tire, the heat degradation on the tyres as well. So there's still a lot of factors in there without, it seems like Pirelli are introducing artificial factors into it which I don't think they need to do. I think that just... There's enough variability, isn't there? Yeah, that's it. I just think there's, yeah, just in, just in out-and-out racing, there, there is enough changeable factors in there that you can use the tyres as a strategy. You don't... The the tyres the shouldn't be di- dictating the strategy. The team should be dictating that and finding the best out of the tyres. And Because another argument I've heard is, well, everyone's got to deal with the same tyres, so it's not a problem. Everyone's got the same thing. If it affects some teams badly um, more than others, well, they... They've just got to learn to live with that and they've got to build a car that's better on its tyres. But to me, that, that argument's null and void because I, me personally, I don't care how it affects each individual team. All I want to know is how it affects racing as an, as an overhaul, overall package. And um, at the minute, I think what it is actually doing is taking away from the racing because none of those teams can drive flat out. It's not like saying... Um, uh, because Lotus made the car that's best on its tyres, they can drive flat out on them all the time. They still can't. 
No, yeah. they're still slower and they're still having to save tires. They're still they're better at managing it, but they haven't built this perfect car that manages the tires well. And that factor, that's where the tires start dictating and the teams are taken out of it. And this is what I think is becoming too much of a factor now. I don't know if you agree. I don't. Know if, I don't know if you, if you agree that it's gone as far as I, as in my mind, that I think it has. But well, I think it has because I think we've seen the the decision to to alter it. I suppose my next concern is is what they're going to alter it to. Yeah, that's it. Because also this week as well, we've went more coming out now. We're hearing rumours that because obviously nothing's been finalised with what they're changing it to yet. But they might actually have as well different tyres for the front and different tyres for the back. And I think that's just opening up another. Uh, another can of worms that can can only go disastrously wrong, if in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've really got to be clear on what they're going to do about this without giving too much of the game away. You know, they, they've really got to say this is, the, you know, we're not going to give the specifics, but this is what we anticipate the cars to do now. You know, and if it means the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari steam off into the distance, then that means they've made the faster car and they deserve to win the championship with the fastest drivers. And then it is up to the two. There has to be a line drawn in the principles of you know, Formula One that, you know, if you have the, the, the best car with, you know, the fastest driver or the best combination of the two, then you really should win the championship yeah. or do very well. And, you know, obviously, like, failure is pending. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just don't... I think it's, it's got to be very careful here. I think... I, and I, re- I really can't agree with changing one and not the other. I, perhaps because a lot of the tracks seem to be really delimited that... Um, really limited, I should say. Um, you know, that's why they would just change the, the one or the other. But then you're only going to have the same problem. You know, like in, in Spain, we saw the problem on the front lefts. So, you know, you're going to have... I do feel you're going to have the same problem still if they just replace, what you know, two, 50% of the tyres. And, can, and I don't know, don't know about you, but I, I can see um, from I don't, I don't want to single out McLaren for this because it's just an easy target, really. The only reason that McLaren comes to mind is because they've had so many pit errors of getting the back tyres on the front and the front tyres on the back and things like that. If they do change to go down or do decide to go down that route, <laughs> yeah, it might it might might work better for them. It might be an amazing decision. Yeah, could do, yeah. <laughs> they might steam ahead, but uh... could be what turns their car around for the season, putting the tyres yeah. on the front. But it's. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's just something which we have to you know, work with caution, and I really hope that they um, they, they make the right choice. And as I say, oh, what that is, even though I don't think we have necessarily answers, but I think if they go along some something like along the lines of last year's tyres, we at least know what we're getting. Then you know we had good racing last season. Um, you know, all right towards the end it got a little bit processional, but you know that surely can be altered with a couple of tweaks to the tyres themselves, but not to the extent that they have done this season. And I think we might be able to, you know, have a bit of a sport on our hands again. But yeah, until then, it's a big problem. I think as well, it's probably a little bit unfair to blame the tyres for the processional races at the end of the season as well, because you've got to, you've got to think sort of sometimes because uh, Vettel's Some quicker again. have given up, haven't they, as exactly, well, on development, etc. That's mm. exactly where I was going with that, because they know almost can guarantee what the outcome's going to be to the end of the season. Everyone switched their development to the next year, and that's why they become processional. And mm. whatever you do to the tyres isn't going to change that fact. Mm. Very much so. But um, it's it's hard to say, really, about you know the, this tyre question and, and the consistency and the construction of the tyres going forward probably is going to be a game-changer, potentially, in the championship. But at the moment, it's certainly looking like Alonso, Raikkonen and Vettel to, you know, for a three-horse race championship at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think if um, uh, Lewis Hamilton was knocking on the door of being one of the challengers um, up until this race, hopefully 
as I say, putting putting his eggs in there when we come back to the um, colder races um, basket and going ahead from there. I think this race has pretty much shown I don't think he's going to be knocking on that door anymore this season. I say I think it is just those three now. If if Pirelli make significant enough changes to the tyres that make them more durable, then there's every chance Mercedes could be back in it. But you've then got the issue that, you know, you've got other faster cars around as well that would take and, advantage of that, namely believe what it seems like Red Bull. Yeah. And not only that, if you look back at last season when they had the arguably more durable tyres, Mercedes weren't very good on their tyres then, so Yeah. Especially if they're if the tire if the problems aren't something like the suspension and still blowing you know perhaps too much hot air through the crown exhaust you suggest they are still going to wear out quicker than anyone else so it's um it's going to be interesting to see um, going forward but yeah it is looking like um, you know Lotus because of the durability Red Bull because of their strategic decisions and the basic they've got fundamentally one if not the fastest car. And Ferrari have got almost the, the in between, haven't they? They've got a very yeah, competitive car, and uh, but can also manage their tires. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to that's see a, what wins out ultimately. Yeah, sorry, that's what I was. That, that's exactly what comes to my mind. If you look at those three cars on the tire management to pure speed options, you've got completely different ends of the spectrum there. Like say with Raikkonen being or the Lotus being able to hold onto its tires really well, but probably the slowest of the three teams. Um, Alonso seems to have the well balanced package of the car, which. In my personal opinion, that's the one I would want. I would want the balanced car rather than mm. one of the extremes. But and then you move on to Vettel, who seems to have the out-and-out speed most of the time, but not in this race. They seem to drop back a bit from Ferrari, even in this race. But can't that they seem to be the worst on their tyres of the three. So yeah, it is a. It does seem to be a perfect spectrum over that, and it would be interesting if it does pan out for the rest of the season to be that way, and we see Red Bull coming back and taking the um, qualifying and the the out-and-out speed back from Mercedes to sort of cement their place in the fastest overall car. It would be very interesting to see how those different uh, approaches to the car and, and how the different strategies actually do um, play into it. Hey, when we get to Monaco, um, we might get an indication in terms of qualifying time also about how these cars are performing in the tight, bumpy circuits as well and what impact that, you know, the tyres have on that. Um, I don't I don't believe the, tire, the change in tyres are going to happen until the uh, Canadian Grand Prix, so... You know, we'll see at Monaco if you know what what impact that has. But um, unless I think Mercedes that... can have a massive amount of improvement, qualify still as well as they did last time, which it shows they they can qualify quite well in the slow the slow tight corners. Whether they'll they'll be race competitive because they could still have a say in the in the, in the next few races, um, just purely because of their qualifying pace. But we we'll have to see. Mm. I think Monaco for tyres as well as a bit of a. It doesn't really matter what. Um, what the decision is for Monaco because it's a bit of an abnormality for tyres anyway they mm. always bring like um, the super softs and the softs to Monaco because that's the ones the teams always prefer and it's always they just want the, the softest grippiest tyres for there so um, if they're changing them across across and making them a bit more durable it doesn't I don't think it has much of an impact there so you wouldn't really see a lot of difference though but but Canada's one that can be very changeable the tyres as we know have always played a big factor there in the past so it'd be a very very good testing ground but I think um uh, throwing themselves straight in at the deep end with if they go in with changed tyres for there. So we'll be interested yeah, well, we'll to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll certainly watch uh, Monaco with interest. 
Okay, and that will bring us to the end of the podcast. And first, a small apology that the um, podcast will be going out late due to um, uh, some unforeseen circumstances, including um, a trip to hospital for both of the hosts. So um, we've become slightly delayed in that, but we're um, both on the mend now. So um, no tech explained this week either for um, for the same reason. So um, we just want to get the podcast out as quickly as possible after all the delays. So um, I'll do the quick roundup and then I'll leave you with the outtakes. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Lights Out Racing. Um, if you want to go to the website and join our forum, and I definitely recommend that, it is um, www.lightsoutracing.co.uk. And of course, say sign up for the forum there and you can get involved in the podcast. And um, with our IGP League as well, you can get information from the forum on joining that as well, which is turning out to be a lot of fun for everybody involved. So again, sorry for the lateness of the um, podcast release, and I will leave you with our outtakes. And their decision to redesign after... The way you worded that, can I word, reword that? <laughs> okay, and the third story we got is the proposed. Uh... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> is that a short enough introduction? And next up, it's the Pirelli. Oh, it's my turn now. <clears throat> okay, so first up then, it's the news that James Ellison has left Lotus after eight years with the <laughs> Team <Deep> Club. <laughs> you freak, I'm so <laughs> Okay, so third up then is the proposal of a points-based penalty system. F what in it? It's that I mean, twister again. I hate you. Let's go. <laughs> so that takes us into the race now, where um, the first and probably uh, most noticeable... Oh, dear, dear, dear.